0: Cry Havoc and Let Loose the Dogman of War, Episode 3 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome everyone to the podcast. I am your host, Wayne, along with my lovely co-host and wife, Michelle. Hey there. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin, where we cover such topics as UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, paranormal encounters, ghosts, the Michigan Dogman, Bigfoot, and all things paranormal and strange in and around Michigan. All right. Welcome everybody to the podcast. I'm Wayne, and over here we have Michelle. Hey, everyone. And if you are new here, we're glad you're on board. Again, a big thank you for everybody that's been listening to the podcast lately and find it interesting. We hope you are enjoying it.
0: And for sharing those really cool articles and videos to the Facebook page. Yes,
1: absolutely. So this is a podcast that we're going to talk about all kinds of things, UFOs, the paranormal, ghosts, cryptozoology, and all kinds of stuff in between. So if that's something you're interested in, hopefully you will like our show but on this episode we're going to be taking a look at another piece of some great michigan folklore the michigan dogman for me this was one that i wasn't too familiar with and it seems to be pretty well known in upper michigan i want to make sure that i am clear in my definition of upper michigan because michigan has two parts the upper peninsula and then the lower peninsula and this seems to be very well known in the upper lower peninsula which is just south and around traverse city
0: and the upper peninsula and for us up north travelers we mean much more north than the zilwaukee bridge (laughs)
1: correct So by north, we're talking about into the northern uh, peninsula, which is uh, going across the Mackinac Bridge.
0: Uh, It seems more of the northwest side of the state, too.
1: Yes. That's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Also, wanting to let people know that we do have a Gmail for our podcast. And what we would like is if you have a story that you want to tell and share with people out there, we want to talk to you reach out to us at podcast at com, And we check the email a couple times a day, and we would definitely like to set up interviews with people.
0: Or if you have any interesting ideas for future podcasts for us, we would love to hear your input. Yeah, even like guests that we could uh, interview on the
1: show would be awesome. But we anyways. Like talking to people. Yeah, if you want to uh, share your story, any kind of an experience with UFOs or the paranormal that happened to you, email us and we would be uh, happy to try to set up an interview with you and we can do it via Zoom. Michelle, anything you want to add to that? Nope, I think I added my two cents. All right. Another thing that I want to do is I do want to bring up the one episode that we did, which was our very first episode. It was swamp gas, right? I am looking for, and we are looking for any witnesses or people that were around during that time in 1966, around Ann Arbor or Hillsdale or even Jackson that might've seen the UFOs in question, had a sighting, have any information or know somebody that was part of the investigation or a former police officer or anything like that, a state officer or a sheriff that was involved, please let them know about our podcast. Have Have them them contact us. We would love to talk to them. Right. Or you, if you were there, um, please have them contact us and listen to that episode, the very first episode, with our information that we were able to get out of the Ann Arbor Public Library and news reports of that time. Michelle, do you know what time it is? It's
0: what's in the news. It is.
1: What is in the news? Pyramid-shaped UFOs spotted by Navy may be the best the world has ever seen, filmmaker says. So this comes from uh, comes to us from Fox to Detroit the Pentagon has confirmed the authenticity of newly leaked video and images showing multiple UFO sightings by U.S. Navy personnel as the government prepares to release a highly anticipated, first-of-its-kind
0: report on UFOs this summer. So in 2020, we get all the COVID news. 2021, we get UFOs this summer. Well, hey, people are at home.
1: They don't have a lot to do. There's a lot of eyes that
0: can be watching. They are watching the skies. That's right.
1: All right. It says here, an 18-second video shows what is described as three pyramid-shaped UFOs hovering over the warship USS Russell at night in July of 2019 off the San Diego coast. And now I'm stressing that because this is the area where commander Fravor had his spottings with the USS Nimitz of the quote unquote, tic-tac UFO sighting that was hovering above the water or above the ocean. And underneath, in the water, you could see there was some kind of a disturbance, some type of a large craft that he couldn't make out. At one point, the pyramid-shaped craft, or crafts, reportedly hovered 700 feet over the tail, or the aft section, of the Russell.
0: Now, recently in a video interview with Tucker Carlson and Corbell, the filmmaker, um, the word swarm was used. Correct. In the video,
1: we see, if you look carefully, you can see that there are three of these pyramid slash triangle shaped UFOs. And I think they're saying pyramid because at a certain angle in night vision, it does look like there's uh, there's depth to these triangles. It's hard to tell. His night vision isn't all that great.
0: Well, and for all the folks who have reported triangle-shaped sightings and have talked about the three lights at the bottom, if you look closely in this video, you can see those same three lights.
1: Exactly. Now, it says here, the this is the first video the public has seen from the July 2019 incident in which mysterious UFOs described as... Unmanned aerial vehicles reportedly harassed at least three U.S. warships during military exercises over multiple days. At one point, matching the speed and bearing, so bearing means the direction, of one destroyer for 90 minutes while performing brazen maneuvers. Well, that's interesting. My understanding is that This is happening so much that there are standing orders in place now that military personnel have been told, if you see these objects, do not take action against them. Yeah, if you don't know what it is, don't shoot. Right. It says here, months earlier, an F-18 pilot reportedly used his cell phone to snap photos of three different unidentified aircraft off the coast of Oceana in March, including two UFOs
0: dubbed the Metallic Blimp and the Sphere. The unidentified aircraft captured by the pilot in March of 2019 were able to remain stationary in high winds with no movement, beyond the capability of known balloons or drones, according to the themysterywire.com. I can confirm that the reference photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel, Department of Defense spokesperson, Susan Go told Fox News. The UAPTF, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. Now, one thing
1: I want to bring up here is that in one of the sections here in the article, it talks about these mysterious UFOs described as unmanned aerial vehicles. How do they know they are unmanned? That means that there is no crew inside these vehicles, which makes me very skeptical about this whole thing. Take it for what it's worth.
0: Well, and you say unmanned, then you're almost bordering on the fact that they're large drones. Because drones would not be manned at all. They would not have a pilot.
1: Well, and here's the thing, though. The description of how these unmanned vehicles were flying out in the ocean, hovering with no movement, They're brazen moves, no sound, no heat admissions, no nothing. Uh, We've got drones, but we don't have any kind of drones that can basically hover 700 feet over a destroyer without emitting heat from an engine or anything like that. So that is interesting in of itself. I'll give them that, but I just am interested in knowing why they're making that leap by, by saying unmanned, are they talking about unhuman? There's some other occupant in there. How do they know that there's nobody in there? Because unmanned aerial vehicle means there's nobody crew in that aircraft. That just, that makes me Wonder why they're making well, that call.
0: just wait for the summer of 2021. It'll be interesting to see what we find out. Yeah. Well, the video and the images were leaked to filmmaker Jeremy Corbell, and he was the one who was interviewed by Tucker Carlson recently within the last couple of days, mm-hmm. who made the documentary Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, and KLAS a TV's chief investigative reporter, George Knapp. Mm-hmm. While Corbell and Knapp independently confirmed the leaked documents are unclassified images that were part of a series of classified briefings intended to educate members of the U.S. intelligence community about UFOs traveling in rest- restricted airspace. This mm-hmm. is explosive information, Corbell told Fox News. This is probably the best UFO military filmed footage, certainly, that I've ever seen, but I think also that the world has ever seen. In a separate event, three photos leaked to Corbell, purportedly from the USS Omaha, show a spherical UFO descending into the ocean, seamlessly disappearing without destruction. According to Corbell, a submarine unsuccessfully attempted to find the unidentified aerial vehicle.
1: And that goes back to what I was saying about USOs, unidentified submerged objects. These vehicles have been seen multiple times by usually Navy pilots now, as we found out from uh, Commander Fravor, who was being interviewed on Joe Rogan that these vehicles are being seen coming from outer space 80,000 feet above the surface of the earth. So above the radar, they, they just appear on the radar screen from outer space, dropping down. They go over the ocean. Usually these fighter pilots are seeing multiples of these things and they dive down into the water and disappear. That tells me that these things are i think um, corbell even calls them a transmedium type of a vehicle that they can go from outer space to air or atmosphere and then into the water and as a science teacher i am pretty confident in saying that we know more about outer space than we do about our own oceans because of the pressures that are exerted the deeper you go into the ocean and the lack of light and being able to see things that um, it is very difficult to make observations under the ocean.
0: Well, Corbell even says this is an extraordinary piece of technology. Whoever is now note, whoever right. is operating these technologies are Far more advanced than anything we have in the U.S. arsenal. And that should be a warning sign. We need to find out the intent of the operators of these vehicles. Right.
1: I think we can say that if their intent was harmful, we would probably already know it by now. Right? Or is if,
0: this just simply a game of cat and mouse Are right they now? playing
1: with us? Correct.
0: is no, a cat and mouse. Yeah,
1: exactly. We can talk about that in a minute. This could be a lot of things.
0: So the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, that UAPTF, is now investigating what these unidentified aircraft are. Now, the UAPTF was formed in the summer of 2020 in an effort to improve the Department of Defense's understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins UAPs, particularly those incursions by unauthorized aircraft into our training ranges or designated airspace.
1: Now, what's interesting about this, again, this this is extremely interesting, but in the 80s and 90s, and I think even into the 70s, my dates are, are probably going to be off on this, but what comes to mind is like the, I think it's called the Rendlesham Forest in the U.K., which was a air force base or a military us military base in england that housed nuclear weapons and these weapons would be loaded onto the bombers that were stationed there and they would be sent off you know to bomb the soviet union or whatever in the case of nuclear war they reported these types of crafts or glowing lights and things like this that would show up and shine it looked like they were shining a light down into the ground but it became apparent that they were like scanning the nuclear weapons in the arsenals that were in storage that they found where they were in these bunkers that they hid the nuclear weapons plus the fact that nuclear silos in both the United States and the Soviet Union during that time that housed some of the most powerful nuclear ballistic missiles that they would launch. They would go up into space and they would rain their, their nuclear death on everybody down on the earth. Mutually assured destruction is what they called it. These Vehicles were spotted and reported by guards and, you know, highly trained Air Force missile technicians and operators of seeing these craft come over the silos and beam some type of light down into the silo, taking over the launch controls and shutting down the missiles and then returning them back on and then taking off. So this sounds like now these vehicles are interested in the trainings that we are doing. They they've they they figured out the, the nuclear weapon thing. Now they're kind of observing or playing, like you were saying, with our military to see what our capabilities are.
0: Well, Corbell said the fact that they're still even investigating any of the new incidents. As unidentified aerial phenomena means that they've already ruled out that they're not balloons, they're not basic drones from another country.
1: So it says here the Pentagon's candor and decision to even acknowledge that the video and images of pyramid shaped aircrafts and UFOs over waters near Oceania are in fact real is exciting UFO enthusiasts and experts worldwide who hope it's the beginning of more transparency. And here we are. Last April, the Pentagon released three UFO videos captured by naval aviators who are heard expressing awe at unknown objects flying and maneuvering at incredible speeds. That is the Fravor, Tic Tac, and what they call the Move Fast. And these are from early 2000 up until 2018 it was just happened to be released recently and those are great videos if you haven't seen them look them up look up the tic-tac and move fast and one thing i do want to point out because fravor pointed this out if you watch the videos and when you see them try to lock the the craft with radar you'll see on the heads up display a return of 9999.9, range of 999.9. That is an indication that as the aircraft are sending out radar to get an image of the vehicle and put it in through the targeting program so the missiles know where to go if they fire on it, that the radar is being jammed and it cannot be locked up. Generally, If you're in an aircraft and a military vehicle or jet, whatever, hits you with a radar signal and you block it, that's an act of war. So I think the only thing that saved Fravor at this point was that they were on training missions and they were not carrying any type of real weaponry. They had targeting pods and things like that but they didn't carry any live weapons because they were on training missions. There was no point to be in, you know, California, San Diego area and have to have a fully loaded, you know, uh, F-18 in this case.
0: So this June, the government is expected to release a report on UFOs that former intelligence director John Ratcliffe told Fox News will show that, frankly, there are a lot more sightings that have been made public Things that we are observing that are difficult to explain.
1: Uh, we saw something.
0: Um, based <laughs> off of the, the night cam video that they showed, um, it is exactly what we saw. It is, I want to say,
1: 90% what we saw.
0: Easily. And I would say that it's over 90% of what our listeners and our Facebook and Twitter folks have also reported as well. Right. So last year's 2.3 trillion appropriations bill signed by Trump in December included a provision ordering the nation's intelligence com- uh, community to submit a report within 180 days detailing everything the government knows about unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena.
1: It says here, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy and Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain. Ratcliffe told Fox News, movements that are hard to replicate that we don't have the technology for or traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier Without a sonic boom.
0: You know, those vehicles that can make sharp 90 degree angles.
1: That would, if you were inside of them and it did that, you would be splattered against the wall because, well, inertia.
0: What stomach? So according to data from the National UFO Reporting Center, sightings of unidentified objects in the air reportedly rose in 2020 by about a 1,000 nationwide to more than 7,200 sightings. So it sounds very familiar. And I know in a previous episode, we had talked about the numbers and how the increase went from 2018 into 2019. So that means it grew even more by about a 1,000 from the previous reportings. Yeah,
1: and do you remember asking me what my thoughts were, what my prediction was about the United Airline pilots that reported to the FBI having something fly over their aircraft, you know, 400 miles north of the the White Sands Sands Missile Range? And I said to you, this is just the beginning. It's going to blow up. Here we go. This summer
0: is going to be fun.
1: Yep. Well, this report's going to be very interesting. I was already talking a little bit about it on the Facebook group page. And uh, I mean, you could take it any way they you know, they could be using it. They could blow it off. They you know, all different ways you can go with this.
0: Well, Peter Davenport, the director of the UFO Reporting Center, said that they were getting a lot more what appear to be legitimate sightings of actual UFOs. Um, than was the case even a few years ago. So since no- November, he's received five reports from cockpit crew members of unidentified objects flying at high altitude, and he said that it's unusual And in his 27 years, having received five reports in just a matter of months.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, well, more people... I'm not going to say that's crazy. More people are coming out and are being are more willing to share their experiences now. You can't deny it. I mean, you you can't deny there's something going on. And now the military is releasing this material and kind of going help without, you know, saying help directly, but you know, that's what it sounds like to me. Hey, we're letting you know. We don't know what this is. Uh
0: keep an eye out. uh, Well, I know it goes on with Corbell said he does not know whether the recent images he obtained show UFOs from extraterrestrials. Again, we go back to the word unmanned. Correct. Or from visiting our planet, though he is certain the public should demand that our government transparently investigate their origins. So if they are saying that we don't have anything like that in the military that can move in the directions and from sea to air and air to sea
1: and the speed
0: and the speed, then absolutely that the government should be transparent with what is actually going on and what is in in our airspace. Yeah. And I like
1: this last part here that Corbell says in this interview, he says, quote, UFOs are real and they are here. But we don't know who they are or the intent, Corbell says. That's no longer a question. You have just not been paying attention.
0: Well, one of the, the lines that he said during that interview with Tucker Carlson was that all of this happening is to elevate the conversation. Right. And, you know,
1: when I saw the video with the three. Pyramid, triangle-shaped, whatever they are that the military released. And I'm thinking, man, that's what we saw. And you even said that. You think about the light pollution in urban areas like this. There could have been more of them up there that we didn't see. We just happened to see the one that was the largest and closest to the ground. So, you know, you think about how many of these things would actually be seen by people if they weren't living in a a city full of light pollution or the pollution in the air that blocks a lot of these possible sightings. It just kind of comes to me and I think about that, like how much more would we see? Well, whew, that was a lot of information. That was a Big news article and a
0: lot to talk about makes me excited for the news this summer.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be as they say popping off because it's uh, June. June is when that report needs to be out
0: end be- of the school year for us, and then I think lots we'll have of some, things to read and watch. We'll after have some that. reading
1: material, right? So, okay. I think with that being said, we should probably take a break. And here's something from our sponsor. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back with you in a moment. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So the topic of discussion besides the UFOs, we decided to take a run at the Michigan Dogman. Come to find out there's quite an extensive history that goes along with this, uh, the sightings in the the mythology behind the Michigan Dogman. i will go ahead and get right into this. So it appears that the Michigan Dogman was first reported by two men in Michigan who were lumberjacks in 1887. And it was in a county called Wexford County. And this area of Michigan is about 15 miles, 10 to 15 miles south of Traverse City. And it's a large county that encompasses the city of Cadillac, Michigan. People started coming forward in 1887 after the lumberjacks said that they had this encounter with this creature that appears to be canine-like and has a male torso... With a dog head, and stands at about seven feet tall. Pay attention to the number seven. Yeah, that seems to be a theme here. So again, the the first people to encounter this Michigan dog man were were two lumberjacks, and they claimed it had the head of a dog in uh, the attached to the body of a man. It is said that it has. Blue or amber eyes and its howl sounds similar to the screams of a human. I would not want to hear that being out camping. Reports seem to point to it appearing in the northwestern part of the lower peninsula, but appearances have also been made in other locations in Michigan. Now, I don't know what you make of this, Michelle. Michelle.
0: Well, I know that the legend says that it, the appearances come in 10-year cycles. Right. But they typically happen in years that end with the number 7.
1: 1967, 87.
0: Well, it started and, in 87. Right. 1887. You know, the, the fact that it stands 7 feet tall.
1: Yeah, so there seems to be some kind of a a cycle of... 10 years and the years end in seven. So, yeah, Michigan Dogman kind of came into popularity in, in 1987 when DJ Steve Cook from a Traverse City radio station recorded a song which started out as a poem about or the Michigan Dogman and it talks about different sightings that he called the legend. Oddly enough, As with, it seems like most media people, UFOs and cryptids and things like that, this started out as a April Fool's joke, but he seemed to write a poem about the Michigan Dog Man, yet claims he had never heard of the Michigan Dog Man before. The song, they're so well received by the locals in the area around Traverse City that several calls started to come into the radio station asking to play that song again. So it became very popular. But what happened is is that as people called into the station, they began sharing their experiences of the Michigan Dogman. But it did become one of the most requested songs for weeks in the local area. It appears that Cook, you know, back in the day, recorded his song on cassette tape that would spin around and record. I mean, how do you describe a cassette tape now to young kids that don't
0: have no idea? A plastic cartridge where a pencil is your best friend when you need to rewind it
1: or get it back into the casing. But anyways, he started selling cassettes of the recording of the song for $4 and it was kind of cool of him. He donated all of the proceeds to a local animal shelter. So hats off to him for that. But I think he opened up a little bit of a can of worms that he wasn't expecting when people started calling into the station and wanting to tell their stories about their experiences with the dog man. It became something that they were not prepared for. Um, So much so that there was actually a, a show on the discovery network or discovery channel and that show was called Monsters and Mysteries in America. And in its second season in 2017, it actually had an episode, which I have not seen.
0: Well, and what started out as an April Fool's Day joke it kind of backfired on him when the calls started coming in with sightings and stories. Correct.
1: And, and he must have known something about the dog, man, to even want to make a poem about it.
0: Well, he could have heard stories. I mean, with it being folklore, he could have heard stories as a child. Yeah. Or from, you know, depending on how much he traveled. I mean, we're we're talking about the Traverse City area. And, you know, around that area is the Adawa tribe.
1: Right. Which I have something about them here. Yeah.
0: But going back to...
1: This uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America, they actually, in their second season in 2017, had a show or an episode called Great Lakes, Wolfman, Dogman, Wendigo, which is, um, I guess they could all possibly be related. Dogman could be a wolfman. And Wendigo I think, is very similar to a skinwalker. I haven't researched a lot about Wendigo. But it's uh I believe that is a a skinwalker type of a creature that is known to mimic the screams of humans to lure people into the woods and then you never see them again.
0: Yeah, that is the the skinwalker theory, which I believe
1: the natives of the of the native tribes all over the United States called the Wendigo. So in 1961 though, which is interesting. There was an sighting and an encounter with the dog man, which I find very interesting. That's why I wanted to bring this up. He was a security guard. He was working at a factory or a manufacturing plant. And in this area, the locals called it the hay marsh. And it's basically just like a dense brushland, you know, very overgrown and things. And standing underneath a lamp pole in the yard of the uh, manufacturing plant was this creature that the security guard described as being about seven feet tall, the torso of a human and a canine type head with very long arms. He actually had a camera and he took a picture of it. Now, the the guy was obviously scared and things like that. And you can look up the the picture on the Internet. But looking at that picture, you know, and they say it's very hard to fake this picture, which I could believe that it looks like a dog man that was there. And it took off running at right after he took the picture. So he probably was not aware of the security guard being there. And maybe heard the click of the camera because back in the day it was, you know, a mechanical device to take a picture. Had to reel the film and click. And uh, the picture is out there if you want to look into it. And they said that they have not been able to prove that it was a fake. It's just blurry because, well, it's understandable that the guy was scared. And as a security guard drinking coffee, and I think they say eating a cinnamon roll. (laughs) So that that's just one story that had been reported. This story was actually recounted by the security guard's son years later, who then gave the film with the picture of the dog man on it to back up his dad's story. I don't know if his dad had passed away, and then he went forward with the story or what the case may be. But they said it's not a fake picture. It's just really hard to see what, what's going on there. Now, going back to your point about the Adawa tribes, um, what I could find out is that basically the Adawa tribes said that they had known of a dogman or a dogman type creature that roamed the Manistee River. And it was during the periods of time where the tribe... Um, the Manistee River basically served as the homeland of the Adawa tribe.
0: I'm still intrigued by the number seven. Yeah, With that all is the that is interesting. Ten years, the, and then and they all ended in, in seven. seven. So, just makes you wonder what happened in 2007. Any sightings then? Any sightings in 2017?
1: Yeah, it it's it's really fascinating.
0: Every area has its folklore. It
1: it does, and I think this probably bleeds over with some of the the wolfman and Wendigo type of mythology. We don't get a lot of that down here in southeastern Michigan, but it it is uh interesting if anybody's ever had an encounter or thought that
0: they saw dogman. If anyone has ever seen Dogman, please contact us.
1: Yeah. Um, And to that point, I'm actually going to read a story that one of our Facebook members had put up in Facebook. I'm not going to release their name or anything. This person, you know who you are, mentions growing up, being 13 years old, and that their mother worked midnights, and this is in a place called Frankfurt, Michigan, which if you don't know where that is, that's on the west coast of Michigan, south of the Sleeping Bear Dunes or southwest of Traverse City. So he says, when I was about 13, my mother worked midnights. We only lived about a half mile down the road from the place that she worked. I used to wait until about midnight and go up to give her company. There's a patch of woods along the road with a four foot hill between the road and the woods. I wasn't really paying attention, but saw something move about 20 yards ahead of me. I thought it was a deer. We have a lot of deer in the area. Being the kid that I was, I started running up to scare it. As I got closer it stood up on its hind legs. All right. Deer don't stand up on hind legs. Bears will stand up on hind legs if they're trying to intimidate you or scare you. Mm-hmm. But that's not what this thing did. <laughs> it took one step. So it's on its hind legs. It took one step for it to get up the hill then ran into the woods, still on two legs. He goes on here to say, still not sure what I saw. Over the years, I've convinced myself it was a bear, but I lived here my whole life and never heard of anyone encountering a bear in that area. I'll probably never know, but man, it scared the crap out of me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Seeing a large creature get up on hind legs and take off running. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was an interesting story. And again, if you have stories like that and you want to share them with us and have us read it on the podcast, send it to us. We'll take a look at it and maybe contact you for any clarifications or have you come on and talk about it yourself in your own words. We're more than happy to do that. So make sure you do contact us. And remember that email address is mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. So basically in closing at this point, I will say that there are lots of great stories out there about the Michigan Dogman and other things, but they are anecdotal stories. And without any physical evidence, you know, people are just going to, kind of brush it off to the side, Oh, you know, cool story, man, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen or that you didn't have the experience of something in that realm, and it seems like once you are exposed, you become very sensitive to these types of encounters, or I guess what I would say is that you're your senses are kind of heightened about these types of things. So you're probably more prone to see something again because you're on the lookout for it now because you're uncomfortable with that situation. I know that I was extremely uncomfortable with the, the UFO and other paranormal things that I had in my life that happened and it seemed like it was, it started with a the death of my mother and getting some of her flowers preserved and returned back to me in a case and observing this case where the flowers from my mother's funeral were were uh, sitting on a counter and as i was looking at the case i could smell my mother's cigarettes only in a very small area around the flowers my mom was a big smoker And her cigarette smoke was very known to me. I knew instantly what it was. A person with me at the time smelled it as well. We looked at each other. We backed up. The smell was gone. We moved forward about a half a foot. Looked closer at the flowers. We could smell it again. Backed up. It was gone. Went forward again. Then it was gone. So it was almost like there was this bubble or this area around the flowers that smelled like my mother's cigarette smoke for a very small instant. Very, very strange. Ever since that, I've noticed other things, which are for a different story at a different time.
0: We will leave it at that. We will. So, okay,
1: everybody. I guess we're going to wrap it up there. Kind of a little bit of a longer episode. Interesting episode. And again, if you have stories about UFOs, paranormal, ghosts, let us know. Email us. We'll set up an interview. Come on the podcast. We'll record it and we'll get your story out there. Check us out on Facebook. Yes, for sure. Check us out on Facebook, the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast Facebook group. Just do a a Google search or a a search on Facebook for that and sign up and we will approve you. You can find us on Twitter at MI underscore UFO and uh, follow us there. Well, Michelle, I think that's going to do it.
0: I think that's it for the night. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.